Welcome back to the Eric Deem Show. I'm your host, the chief here at the Eric Deem Show, Eric Deems. As you know, I'm doing this as a way to spread the cultural stewardship that I believe falls to each of us while hearkening back to those Midwestern values I grew up with, the institutions of society that held us together, whether that be the church, the state, the family, I mean, the list really goes on. And I consider myself blessed then, I consider myself blessed now, and I'm so glad you're tuning in. Thank you so much. Be sure to subscribe, share, listen, wherever you can. We're having a lot of fun here with this, what I call, radio show in podcast form. And we're excited to keep the dulcet tones tickling your ears across the airwaves in whatever way God has it seen for the future. I've talked about God nods here in the past, right? As you go down the path of life, may God nods continue to kind of point you in a direction. And sometimes the God nods tell you where not to go, um, but oftentimes uh, they shed a light on the doors that you should be knocking on, the doors you should be opening, the doors you should avoid. And I'm certainly enjoying uh, those now uh, in this season. So uh, continued prayers appreciated, continued support appreciated. And as always, reach out, chief, at ericdeemshow.com. Have a counter-argument, have a point, a perspective, a question. Would love to hear about it. I'm also on all the socials. Well, actually, I can't say that because there are several I just, I don't have time to keep up with all this. We do not have a vast staff here. And... uh, Right, JB? That's right. But we have, um, we have love for what we're doing. And so you can find me at Eric Deem Show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, to keep the conversation going. Look, this episode today is a special one. One that has, uh, I've been thinking about, you know, show prep really never stops. I'm always adding notes in the phone. I'm always kind of taking snippets from articles here and there and compiling them and thinking, okay, well, what's actually happening? What's relevant? What are some things I can pull back on from my history, my experiences, family, friends, mentors, things that I can, I want to add value, right? I want to add not only just listener delight, but I want to actually create something where there's a takeaway, meaningful takeaway for each and every listener. So, um, as I've talked about before, we're a big fan. We really were big, bigger fans whenever Charles Osgood was hosting. Um, nothing against Jane Pauley, but um, she's just not Charles. And I, I haven't liked the political slant of nearly every episode. It just seems overtly political. And of course, yes, I'm talking about CBS Sunday Morning. I really like the magazine-style show. This Sunday, they had a great episode... Um, uh, a spotlight on Crip Camp. Uh, we're going to post all of this in the show notes as we always do. Crip Camp is an, a new Netflix documentary that's coming out. It's uh, it's called Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution. And as they say, it tells the story of teenagers with disabilities who attended an upstate New York summer camp, 1971, and they would go on to become powerful leaders in the disability rights movement. Correspondent uh, Rita Braver uh, covered this piece, and she talks with Jim Labreck, who 50 years after attending Camp Jeanette, which is the camp that we'll talk about here in a second, 
Uh, he collaborated with Emmy-winning filmmaker Nicole Newham on the acclaimed documentary, now shortlisted for the Academy Award. It's, on the, it's been nominated for an Academy Award, an Oscar, here in 2021. Called to be something, called to be something together. Community's important. All of us in community together, instead of focusing and being distracted on everything that tears us apart, focusing in on those things that do bring us together, those things we have in common, in spite of our differences in many cases. You know, I've always had um, <laughs> I, I, this, it's, it's more than a soft spot. It's um, kind of a drawing to folks with disabilities. And I, I was trying to think, where did this come from for me? Where, where did this come from? Um, and the earliest recollection I have, well, I, I grew up, you know, as you know, in southeastern Ohio, I grew up in Belpre. Well, just down the road in Little Hawking, there was a, um, a family friend of my parents, and um, they had a um, the, the the woman. Now, keep in mind, I was a kid at this point. You know, I was a kid. Now, certainly, I was sitting at the adult table because uh, there, you know, there was no kid table in the beginning, and then there were too many kids for me to also sit at the kid table. So, we can talk about all the scars that that gave me from skipping the, the kid table and going right to the adult table, but we're not going to talk about that now. And but. Uh, Getting back to the story, there was a guy named Corey, and he had Down syndrome. And I remember going out and um, I always thought it would, I always enjoyed interacting with Corey. One, he was hilarious. Uh, he loved telling jokes. <laughs> Maybe they weren't funny, I don't know, but he loved it whenever we laughed with him, you know. You know, you rarely remember what people say, but you remember how they make you feel, Right. Corey made me feel like the world was our oyster. There was nothing could hold us back. His perspective and outlook on life, simple. You're my friend <laughs> because you're here. Because you're next to me, you're my friend. We're friends. And uh, he loved my dad. Um, I hope he's still with us. I've lost contact with, with him, obviously, the... Um, they were friends of my parents from years ago. I mean, we're talking decades ago. Um, and uh, Corey was probably in his late 20s and 30s even then. Um, that's probably the earliest moment that I can recall. An interaction with somebody with a disability, an intellectual and developmental disability. And that's probably what caused me to get so interested in Best Buddies. If you haven't heard of Best Buddies, I, I'd highly recommend you all look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. When I did undergrad at, at Belmont, I was part of the Best Buddies group there on campus and um, have remained part of that organization since. And I have a great friend, Harry. Harry is, uh, has an undiagnosed uh, developmental disability. But that doesn't stand in the way of the true friendship. And I'm not, I, I really mean that. The true friendship that we have together, when I see him calling on my phone, um, it lights up my day. He is now 21. We've, we've celebrated his 21st birthday. We've known each other now for the past four or five years. And, um, you know, they do something great here called the Best Buddies Prom. <laughs> and, uh, it, well, this is all pre-COVID, obviously. But we go to the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. 
we throw a prom for all of the chapters of best buddies here in Middle Tennessee and really throughout the, the Middle, Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee state region. As Jim Lebrecht mentioned uh, in the documentary, back home we wouldn't have been picked for the team. Here we have to get up to bat. <laughs> and it shows somebody rolling over in their wheelchair to get up to bat. Because, I mean, everybody has a disability of some sort. You're, you're playing the game. You're here. Well, similarly, the kids with developmental disabilities in high school aren't asked to the prom. <laughs> Things those of us that have lived, quote-unquote, normal lives, whatever that means, didn't really have to think much about. Or we're thinking of it in more superficial terms of whether somebody likes us or not and whether we're wearing the right outfit. Whether... No, these folks didn't feel welcome to that community. I feel like we're just skating over so many really big things to dive into. And if we had hours to do so, uh, we would. And um, maybe start even uh, start doing even an interview segment where we can get some professionals to come in and talk about some of this stuff and dive a little deeper. But for now, let's just talk about the experiences I've had and share, share those with you. Harry loves interacting with loves telling the jokes, loves being the friend. You know, we grab lunch once a month. Harry loves wrestling, so I've had to brush up on my wrestling, and he loves um, the Philadelphia Eagles, his favorite team. <laughs> so I've had to brush up and follow all of this because he knows everything about it, every stat of any person at WWE or on the roster of the team. <laughs> so here I am having to become at least conversational on this stuff, and... Um, it's refreshing to have those lunches with Harry because, you know, he doesn't care about the things that seem to overwhelm and consume me on a regular basis. And maybe that's a challenge to me and maybe that's a challenge to all of us to stay focused on what truly matters. The human interaction, the human connection, the purpose and the calling of who we are to help somebody else, to let somebody else help us. To be part of something bigger than ourselves. To find that calling. To follow the God nods. It's inspiring, the story. It's inspiring, the story uh, on Crip Camp. The Netflix documentary, we'll post that. Oh, and by the way, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are executive producers. See, this is a nonpartisan show. We celebrate the things that need celebrated and bring light to things that need brought, brought into the light, regardless of political affiliation. So just thought I'd mention that. But I was watching that show, and it, it was really something to see the advocacy work that these people did. The idea of getting onto a bus with a ramp and the ramp having to be there. If you receive federal funds, accessibility having to be there, everything that the ADA in 1990 gave us, didn't exist before. Now, there were some elements of it. In fact, it goes all the way back to the Carter administration. And they mentioned the Carter administration running out of time and, and not having enough political expediency to approve budgets and whatnot. And so you see these folks marching at the White House, climbing the Capitol steps, some of them crawling because they can't walk. You see the sit-ins. You see the, the traffic blocks. My favorite was you, you see the folks where the FBI had cut off their phones. 
so they could not call each other. Well, that was pretty easy for those who were already deaf. They just started doing the you know, signaling with their hands, sign language. That's how they, they're used to communicate. You're not playing on their level. They were already levels ahead of you, and you had no idea. Defining your purpose because you have to, because success is survival, is a motivator that we can all take away and we can all learn from. Jim Lebrecht was talked about his, he had a show, or no, he had a job where he was working for a theater and the steps, he had uh, to climb steps, and he's in a wheelchair. And he had, what, five or seven, five, six, seven steps he had to climb in order to run the control board. And um, the interviewer said, did you ever see that as a, as a reason to give up? You had to climb steps. You couldn't climb steps. And he said, no, this was a dream job. I had to succeed at it. Because I had to succeed at it, it didn't matter. The tenacity, the drive to see something through to exist and to live a passion despite the obstacles. Obstacles that couldn't be changed. Powerful. Obviously, they were successful, right? They went through. and uh, Judy Human actually was the first State Department official um, heading up, appointed by Obama, uh, to head up the, um, an international disabilities coalition. Shedding that light on that need for that community to be heard all around the world. Powerful. Powerful stuff. What can we do? You know, I'll leave you with a final story. About eight years ago, actually eight years ago next month, April, I was living in East Nashville, and um, I came home. And I came home by about 9 p.m., I guess, 9 p.m., 9, 10 Pulled into the driveway, and um, it was trash night. So you got to take the trash. Well, you know, trash is coming the next morning. So I'm rolling the can out there, and I hear somebody talking. What in the world is going on? And it's coming from a person across. Somebody is across the street from my house. I, I lived, if you're familiar with Nashville, I live not far from Gallatin Pike, up uh, near the second Kroger, if you're, if you're taking Gallatin up there, um, off of Shelton Avenue. So there's a there's a Kroger right there. There's a Kroger literally right across from my front lawn, and you could see Gallison Pike. There was a bus stop right there, and and so I'm pulling the trash can out, and I hear somebody talking, and th this man is talking to himself. Well, I start talking back, <laughs> and as you as you could imagine, uh, that was not expected by this other person, and um, so I started chatting with him. Told me his name was Dutch. Okay. Dutch, how are you? I'm Eric. I started chatting back and forth. Great. What are you doing? Well, I'm waiting for the bus. Okay. Then he started telling me about the light poles in the Kroger parking lot. Do you know about these light poles? This light bulb's out. What are we going to do about that? Well, I don't know, man. You tell me. Maybe we need to get a hold of somebody. Oh, I've already talked to the manager at Kroger. He doesn't know what to do about it. And what about this street lamp down here? I said, clearly, I had somebody that was very fascinated with talking, which I can relate to this, and fascinated with the street lamps. Well, the bus came. He went on. There you go. The next day, I come home. I pull into the driveway a little earlier, around 8 or so, and here is this same man now in my driveway. He had gone to the Kroger. 
he had purchased one of those $2 disposable charcoal grills and then purchased two steaks, was trying to grill steaks. We obviously had to go. We went across the street, bought a proper grill and brought it back. And, uh, you know, we, we cooked these steaks. And what was important was the interaction that I got to spend with this guy, this, this new friend, Dutch. Dutch and I became, um, well, we became friends. He would show up there pretty much on a weekly basis, almost a daily basis there for a while. And, uh, you know, just be out in the front yard. And we got, I got to know a little bit more of his story. Here he was, a Vietnam veteran, fought for our country. And he started beginning to share his personal story with me. And I realized very quickly, this guy doesn't have anybody but me. Fast forward to today. Dutch is somebody I talk to on a weekly basis. We grab lunch or dinner once a month. And I've learned a lot about life by listening to this guy who's in his late 60s. Actually is a, an electrician by trade from South Florida who just happened to land in Nashville because he didn't have any other place to go. And he has some... I think, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose. But he has some uh, interesting things that happen. He sees people that I don't always see. He experiences things that I don't experience, even when we're out together. But he helps me see that sometimes the streetlights need fixed. And he cares about me. And I care about him. I think it's a challenge to us to, to think about those in our lives that maybe we aren't spending time with. Maybe we don't even see. Maybe we discount them because they're talking to themselves. They're talking to people that we can't see. Whether it's a physical or a mental disability, they're still people. They still have a soul. They still have a spirit. They still have a desire and a need for community, just like we all do, whether they know how to articulate it or not. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway here. To pull on the heartstrings, the heartstrings of humanity, we're all interwoven. The energy that flows through the world, we, we're all connected, vibrating at different frequencies, sure. But we're all connected. And I believe that people cross our paths for a reason. I believe that certain episodes or certain clips are played while I'm watching a show so that I can see it. And I believe you tune in and are listening for reasons. I believe God has bigger purposes for so many things. And I believe there are so many other things happening in the backgrounds that we don't even know. But yet we're, we are already prepared for it. The question is, are we going to show up? Are we going to show up for those who, at least right now, don't feel like they can show up for themselves? Are we going to take that encouragement by those who consistently showed up until they got the change that was due them? The thing I loved most while watching this, these folks didn't take a victimhood mentality. Harry doesn't take that. Dutch doesn't take that. And just, the, and just like them, the folks at Camp Jeanette in 1970 and until it was closed, they didn't take the victimhood perspective. 
The thing the woke crowd tries to make us all search for our victimization. Search for it and wear it like a blanket. You've earned the right to be a victim. No, no, no. These folks don't see them as see themselves as victims. They see themselves to be able to force and enact change to make it better for those behind them. And, you know, the pioneers take the arrows. But it's so everybody behind them now has a clear path forward. And anybody with a disability born after 1990, well, they've been able to enjoy the fruits of the labor of these folks who were just asking for some equality. What do you think about this? Do you have a story you'd like to share? A story maybe where you've overcome disability or maybe friends and family in your lives are living with a disability? Your interest or connection to that community? I'd love to hear it. Chief at ericdeemshow.com.